So I told you there's something big happening here as well, not just around the world. And what's happening here is, as you know, uh, many of you know, we've only been a church plant, uh, or a church, that is, for almost two years. September 8th is our two-year birthday. And we have different mile markers along the way, uh, and it's really fun to see. You know, we have, you know, our very first Christmas, we had that. We had our very first Easter, and uh, we have a lot of these firsts that are these really mile markers for us as a church, and we just had another one of those mile markers for us. Uh, When we started Awakening Church, we said this, We said that we exist as a community, not to just gather together, sing nice songs, and hopefully hear an interesting, uh, practical message. We exist as a community. The reason we wanted to plant a new church is to awaken, yeah, that's where we got the name, awaken this generation in this city, in this area, to new life in Jesus. That we fundamentally exist for those who aren't here yet. That's a great place for an amen. I know I dove in a little bit. Okay, I'm just making sure you're with me. Thanks. Um, but, but that is why, and so we started with a very outward focus, and, and we've done some things locally, like we met at this high school campus, and that wasn't in the original plan. I'll tell the whole story at, on our uh, two-year birthday, but that wasn't the original plan, but when we got here, we, we shortly after that had this slogan, this kind of anthem, that this is more than a place to meet, but a people to love, that God has placed us here, and it's more than that we just get to meet in this nice theater and get to have fun stuff on Sundays, but he's given us a people to love, and how can we love this campus, and how can we show God's grace, and so we've done that in all kinds of ways, from service projects here and doing some things uh, to beautify this campus. We do stuff with the teachers all the time. We weekly bring coffee and donuts to the teachers, and uh, we've done stuff here in the city and partnering with other churches, and, and we've given as a church right from the very get-go as a church plan. People said, don't do that. You need all your money. And I'm like, by the way, I just believe you can't outgive God. That's another good place for an amen. Oh, come on, guys. I know I wasn't here last week, but please. Okay. Uh, and so we just started to give uh, uh, On the top, say, hey, if we're going to ask us as a body to give 10%, then we as a church need to give 10% outside our doors as well. And and so we've done that. I mean, our very first year, I think we gave close to $50,000 away outside of our doors. Yeah, amazing. We've been able to build four wells in our first two years as a church. And in different countries. And recently, uh, the country that we just built in was the country of Haiti. Now, one of the things that we want to do is, is, as a community, sink deeply with another community uh, around the world and say, okay, how do we have an impact here in San Jose, but how do we partner with someone in another area, in another country, and, and it, it's actually a partnership where our dream is that as we partner with them, that they encourage and they help us, and they would send people our way, and we would send people their way. And this is the mile marker for us in our very first. We sent our very first team a few weeks ago to Haiti uh, and the work with the uh, missionaries that we have 
just incredible relationships. They're called the Mon Premiers, John John and Christy Mon Premier. And so this morning is a little different. We're going to celebrate, and we won't do this with every team that we send out, but because it's our first, we wanted to make sure and take time and celebrate and honor and talk about what God is doing and how he worked through this team uh, as they were in Haiti. So I want to invite uh, Dave Grajan, who led our very first team uh, to Haiti. Welcome him. So, anyways, and then, uh, you know what, might as well, guys, why don't you come on out. Uh, I, I was going to do it in s- stages, but then that seemed weird. And here's our team that just <laughs> left, left and came back and served with Haiti. And I know we're missing one because of some car issues, and yeah. if she shows up, she can hop up in uh, any time. Uh, but... I'm going to talk with you just a little bit, okay. and then we'll talk with you guys, okay? Uh, and first, Dave, I just want to ask you a question. Okay, where did you guys go? And we know the country, Haiti. Right. Uh, and explain Haiti, because those of you who don't know, it, it may be an, it's an island, but there's two countries on it and some of those sort of things. Okay. Where did you go, and then what did you do? Okay. So, um, good morning, everybody, first of all. Uh, we, we did go to Haiti, and Haiti is just a, a small little island just below Cuba, uh, in the Caribbean, and it shares its island with Dominican Republic. Um, and so we went and we flew into Port-au-Prince, the capital, and then we drove about three, three and a half hours uh, northeast to a little town called Cayman. And it's this rural little town. I mean, we drive through big cities um, and up and over a mountain range uh, to get there. And uh, I'll let them kind of talk about the bus ride there. But um, uh, it's this tiny little rural town, and uh, there's still just thatch huts everywhere. Um, and uh, the uh, Mon Premiers that Ryan mentioned, John uh, John grew up there. He is Haitian, and he grew up in this little village. And um, since he, when he's growing up, it's a prim- uh, primarily uh, voodoo culture. And, uh, that what is voodoo for those who don't know what voodoo is? Voodoo is... I mean, we've seen movies, but it's right. not what that is. Voodoo is essentially a form of witchcraft. Um, uh, for here in the United States, we think of, what, Weekend at Bernie's. Um, and little, you know, they just Hollywoodize it, right, with the little dolls and the pin cushions and all that stuff. There, it is very real. It is uh, very demonic. Uh, it is uh, all about fear. It's fear-based religion. Uh, there is a hierarchy. Um, if you think of our military and how there's generals and sergeants and all these uh, rankings, it's very much so like that. Um, and uh, some of the testimonies that we heard of ex-witch doctors, basically they invite an evil spirit to possess them and ride them like a horse and the demon puts a bit in their mouth is one, one way a ex-witch doctor described it and controls them like a horse. And lets him and makes them do whatever uh, he wants them to do. Um, and you said the hierarchy, and it's so pervasive in Haiti that they even have an office uh, there, an office for voodoo. Yes. Yeah. yeah. In, in the government side of it. Right. And I mean, to become a witch doctor is a whole process of signing a contract, and you have X amount of years to fulfill that contract. And a lot of these contracts, um, you don't even sign anything. Uh, they just, um, 
they just control you by fear. Again, murder, uh, murdering your family and all this stuff. And so uh, a lot of these people have six, eight kids and they feed their goats better than they feed their kids because their goats are what they have to sacrifice to appease these spirits. Uh, it is just a, it's, it's a scary thing. And so when the mom premier started their ministry uh, there in Cayman, um, Cayman was per capita had the most witch doctors uh, in Haiti. People would travel from all over Haiti just to come to a witch doctor in this area to offer up a sacrifice, to uh, curse somebody else who uh, did wrong to them. Um, and it's just a very scary thing. Uh, but praise God, uh, just within seven to eight years, there are no more witch doctors in this area. Uh, every single witch doctor has a testimony of how Christ came and saved them and his redemptive power and how the spirit that possesses them now is the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is the most powerful spirit that could ever possess them. And uh, that is just, um, it gives me goosebumps to think about it because I think about all these people and who we met and it's just incredible, incredible stories that they have. So, so what are the mom premiers doing there now? Because uh, they started off yeah. really doing this very missionary work, reaching uh, these families and experiencing a lot of opposition. I mean, like, in, you just got to understand, voodoo is, is very dark and it's demonic, but at the same time, it, it is very uh, physical. I mean, murder and all these sort of things, oh, yeah. opposition going on there. Seeing God change that village and seeing uh, that. So what, what are they up to now? So... Again, they, they knew they wanted to do ministry there in, in Haiti and came in particularly where John John grew up. Um, they just didn't know what it was. And uh, what really kick-started it all was a food nutrition center because one night they were on a walk just outside their, uh, their property and they found three little kids sitting around a fire pit eating the ashes because they were just so hungry and their bodies were just starved of just the min minerals and they just said, this can't happen. Out of that, just grew a, uh, now they have a nonprofit organization called United Christian International, and it is incredible. I mean, they have a huge team. They have a construction team. They have an agriculture team. They have uh, a team of pastors, uh, some of them uh, who have teamed up with UCI but preach elsewhere. And so every Tuesday, every Tuesdays, Every Tuesdays, uh, these pastors, some of them will walk uh, 11 hours. They walk 11 hours just to come and sit for an afternoon with John John to, for him to just teach them uh, the word. And they walk 11 hours back. Um, and they're that dedicated every single week they do this. Um, and since they've started, uh, the nutrition center has grown. Uh, there's not you don't see as many malnourished children running around. Uh, you have homes that are stucco. We'll talk about that. We got to help uh, pour cement for homes. Uh, they have crops. They're teaching them how to grow crops, uh, yearly crops, and how to uh, seed the uh, dirt. Come on up. Yeah, Kristen. come on up. Come on. Up. Uh, and uh, what else they have? They have a uh, elementary school now, uh, uh, K through. Um, K through eight, actually, or ninth. They go, 
I don't think they have a high school yet. I think it's elementary school. And then they actually have a college uh, where they have three degrees. They have a uh, theology school, they have a agriculture school, and they have a medical school, school there. Um, and the goal is, is um, and every student there, they were telling us that um, every student there is wanting to give back to their community. They have no desire to leave this area. Once they learn, they want to give back what they learn to uh, Cayman and the surrounding area, just the Haitian people. No, so it's yeah. just, they've built community. Voodoo tears away community. Nobody talks to anybody because everybody's fearful for their lives. Yeah, they um, don't help each other because they're afraid of being cursed by someone else for yeah. helping and, the person that was cursed. And a quick example of that is John John grew up and uh, his father was murdered by a witch doctor be over land that he felt that he was had this voodoo doctor thought that he had um, the rights over when in all actuality it was John John's families killed his father and John John every day until this witch doctor passed away would go and visit this doctor and pray for him and just invite him to church and and his family is like, what are you doing? Why, how can you do this? This man killed our father. And before this man passed away, Andre, uh, he uh, denounced uh, witch doctor, voodoo, and accepted Christ into his heart and was a huge uh, staple in their church and would go out and minister to other witch doctors. So uh, it's just story after story of just God's power, redemptive power. It is just, it's incredible. So, so, so that gives you a little bit of picture in this uh, incredible ministries, and now you're starting to see why we want to sink deeply with them uh, over the long haul, and we're wanting to see, uh, see uh, send, there you go, send team after team there. I want to introduce uh, the team yeah. now, uh, and great to see you guys. You're our very first ever team that's left from our church, and so we're so thrilled, so excited and uh, honored that you would take that step. And so what I'd love to do, and we can, Kevin, we can just start with you and then go around and uh, there, is if you wouldn't mind just introducing yourself, what is it you do, uh, and then um, what is it that for you that led you to go on this trip? You know, why, why did you choose to go to Haiti, you know, leave an incredible place where I live and go to the, you know, poorest place in the Western Hemisphere? So... Hey everybody, uh, my name is Kevin Thayer. Um, I work for eBay, I do computer networking, I tell people I make the internet work. Um, so yeah, I, w I was actually um, at Westgate before and I went to Haiti seven years ago in 2007. And so I'd been down there before they had almost any of the, the things that Dave was just mentioning. They had no church, they had no university, they had no primary school, they had none of that. Um, and in, I don't know, when, when Jay and Hector were talking about how they just wanted to when they did mission trips, they wanted to be like visiting friends. That that struck a chord with me. So I was like, you know what? I really like those guys. Mom Premier's are great people. I want to visit them again, and I want to see what's up, and I want to help them in any way that I can. So that's really my story of why I went. Yeah. Cool. Cool. Hi everyone. I'm Kristen Obermeyer. I was late because my car wouldn't start. So it's a legit excuse. We're glad you're here. Now. <laughs> um, thanks for picking me up, Dad. <laughs> um, I do uh, employee communications at a tech company, um, so it's lots of writing and presentations and such. Um, I think I went, I've heard a lot of great things about the, um, this ministry in Haiti from my sister and Dave. Um, they've both been before. Um, but I think, I, I don't know why exactly I went. 
um, or I wanted to go in the first place, um, I kind of heard about it and I was like, I have to go. I need to be there. I need to uh, experience that the joy that they have, the raw, like, faith. Um, so I signed up, and I went. Cool. <laughs> so, yeah. Very cool. Hey, I'm, I'm Josh Boyden. I'm a software engineer down here in the Bay Area. Um, and I wanted to go, uh, I really like, um, I've been on mission trips before, um, back in my church in Oregon, which is where I'm from originally. Um, you can start the uh, picture so people can start swimming. Okay. There you go. I thought you were giving me a cue. No. <laughs> and go, Josh. And now. <laughs> Sorry, man. Um, but I really like Awakening's uh, viewpoint on short-term, short-term missions, on, on building relationships and not, on not, um, not going in and fixing things. Like, it wasn't like we went down there with, like, this idea of, okay, we're going to come down and save these, save these people in Haiti. It was, like, really... How can we partner with them, and how can we learn from them, and how can um, they learn from us? So I like that, and um, I was excited about uh, a chance to get to go and develop those relationships. So, yeah. Very cool. My name's Janelle. I'm a project manager at a tech company, and I had also been on a mission trip in high school, and I was eager to find another opportunity to go again, and I'd have friends um, that had been to Haiti before and told me, like, they came back and had such amazing experiences with the people and um, the projects they got to do, so I thought it'd be a fun break in the summer. (laughs) Hi, I'm Melissa. I'm a student at San Jose State. Um, Haiti uh, has always kind of had a place in my life, I guess. Well, not always. I, it was my first year of college, and we I was taking a biology class, and um, we just had a free day where we had, like, a potluck, and then my teacher put on a documentary. Um, it was about uh, the carbon problem and how it stemmed in Haiti and all the damage it did um, to them especially, um, and also all over the world. And that just really struck a chord in me, and I was like, taking notes furiously uh, and this is like free time. Um, and then I ended up writing a, like a impersonal essay and kind of posting it on Facebook. And like ever since then, I kind of just did research on it and wanted to stay updated on that country for just that particular reason. Um, but I'd always put like going on a missions trip on the back burner saying, you know, like, oh, I'll just save money and then eventually I'll do it. Um, but it wasn't until I came to Awakening and was told about um, sort of this this mission plan, and it was la- last summer, um, Jay was talking about how they wanted to have this partnership with Haiti, what do you know, um, and to sort of see how this partnership would see like a long-term growth, because there's so many like churches and organizations that go to Haiti and then go to Africa and, you know, go to poor countries all over the world, but no, don't necessarily like stick around to see um, what long-term change there could be. So. Um, it was just, it just seemed like the perfect fit, and um, I didn't want to wait anymore, so it went. Cool. cool. I'm Laura. I watched those two beautiful little kids. Um, I, I went to Haiti because I heard about the trip, and I had just graduated school, and I didn't really know what to do with my summer, so I thought I could go maybe learn something from the Haitians and help them whatever way I could, and it was a great trip. So. Cool. Uh, yeah, you can keep that over there. Uh, I have a little question for you guys, and all of you can answer to it. And just wanted to hear, like, what was one of the things that was most impactful 
for you on this trip where you just had that maybe God moment or you just saw something that changed the way you see life now? Um, it might be something that came up over and over again. What was it for you that was, was kind of most impactful? Yeah, maybe it was an experience. Mel, if you want to thumb through your uh, booklet that you printed out. <laughs> you printed up. Wow. We'll be here all... No. <laughs> All right, I'll go. Um, for me, the thing that, that struck me this time and is that Haiti is really a spiritual place. Like mm. the, the impact of spiritual warfare and sp the spiritual realm is huge there. You know, in, in our culture in America here, you know, we tend to make everything a science problem or a math problem or whatever, you know. And there, you know, they say, hey, we don't know how this works. And, you know, like they're talking about the witch doctors. There's a witch doctor we talked to, a former witch doctor. And he was like, oh, yeah, you know, when I was a witch doctor, if I wanted to kill a chicken, I would just wave my hand over the chicken and it would die. And, like, when I converted to Christianity, I couldn't do that anymore. And so I had to get a knife. <laughs> and, but it was just stuff like that that you're like, what? Like, this doesn't even, like, register in my world, you know? Like, like you know, you hear somebody say, oh, yeah, I'd kill a chicken by waving my hand over it. I'm like, no, you didn't. <laughs> you know, the chicken died of natural causes or whatever. You got lucky. But, but, you know, this is just his reality. And, like, that's the kind of thing that I think as American Christians, it's, I think, at least for me, I lose sight of how prevalent the spiritual side of life is. And, you know, you have to respect that in Haiti. Like, you can't just, like, pretend it doesn't exist. So that was a big thing for me. That's powerful. Yeah, I think we go there with the intention of going to a poorest country in the northern hemisphere or the western hemisphere and uh, thinking that we're going to have that hero complex, that we're going to save them. We're going to raise money to give them rice and beans for a week so we're going to feed them. So these rich Americans are going to come in and we're going to save the Haitian people. Um, they are physically, it's true, they are physically poor. They, they don't have much. But when it comes to spirituality, they are wealthy beyond belief. Um, they understand the darkness and how Satan works, and they also understand how the Holy Spirit and God works, and they live by that, and they thrive in, in Christ. And it is, it's, it's humbling to kind of, I would say at the least, it's humbling to actually live, live by them and, and encouraging though too. Yeah, so. that's cool. Someone, as we were praying earlier, prayed, this, you know, we have, we have first world, you know, reality of we live in the first world uh, and they live in the third world and yet they have first world spirituality and so often we live with a third world spirituality. That really hit me mm -hmm. uh, as we we're praying earlier. What else? What other experiences uh, do you have or uh, what was most impactful for you? Uh, I, was, I was most impacted by uh, the freedom they have there. Um, uh, and it, when, and I mean the people that have accepted Christ, like the freedom that they have, because there is a lot of oppression there. Um, it, people who are um, practicing voodoo, they're very oppressed and um, spiritually. But the the people who have accepted Christ and are living that out, you can see their freedom and and see in the way they worship and the way they talk about God is just unbelievable to see um, how how lit up they were. Like they were just so excited about life and they had so much freedom and just and and. Um, Coming from here, I think a lot of times we sort of just live it at like the medium, right? Like we're sort of just living it out normally. And, and to see them just 
full on express that and, and just get, get behind it 100% was really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool. That's really cool. Um, the first Sunday we were there, we got to be a part of the youth group that John, John, and Christy lead. And um, one of the coolest moments for me was we were singing, like we had taught them a couple of praise songs in English, and then Christy was like, hey, they actually know, was it Set a Fire? Set a fire. Um, and so we sang, like Dave was playing guitar, we sang it in English, and they sang it with us in Creole. So it was like we were singing the same song and praising the same God, but it was just so cool to hear the different voices and languages just joining together in praise. I thought that was really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's cool really cool. That's really cool. Maybe maybe another question on that is like, how did you see God show up? Is there any moments where you just kind of just saw, man, that was a God moment where you is unmistakable uh, there? Sorry. Um, I think they had a Wednesday night like worship prayer service, and. Um, we were in there, and we, we don't know any of the words to their songs, but they kind of turned one worship song into the next and the next, and you don't know when one stops and the next one begins, but it just keeps going and going and going. Um, and they also um, had a prayer time, so someone would be up front praying out loud, but everyone in the audience um, <clears throat> is doing their own prayer. So everyone was was kneeling or standing or whatever they felt like doing and praying aloud their own prayer. And so it was just a, a bunch of voices um, at once, all praising God and praying out loud, um, you know, together. Not the same prayer, but their own prayer. But that was really kind of a moment where I was, it was kind of uncomfortable for a minute because it's like, oh, everyone's praying. Like, oh, like everyone can hear what you're praying because I, I don't like praying out loud. I just, it's not one of my strengths. <laughs> um, but they, they were just praying out loud, their own prayer, um, unashamed, just praying and kneeling and um, dancing. I, dancing. Yeah, I didn't know what they were saying, but um, it, it was just kind of, oh, wow. Like there's this, this freedom or this um, raw kind of faith that's not clouded by anything else going on or um, what the people next to you might think of what you're saying or praying, um, which I think happens, um, at least for me. Um, but it was just it was just that raw, like, this is me and God time um, in the midst of everything, and everyone was having the me and God time at the same time. So um, cool. that was really neat. And by the end of it, I think we all just kind of joined in. Yeah. Yep. <laughs> so we couldn't help but to join in. Yeah. I was like, I don't know what's going on, but I'm going to dance and praise, and this is awesome. <laughs> That's cool. Yeah. That's really cool. Yeah. Melissa, do you have something? Oh, it was the question before. Yeah. <laughs> About, I guess, the best part for me was um, we were... We were um, carrying bricks because they were building the house, and so um, Dave was, you know, helping with making the cement, and then all of us were carrying bricks from a truck. Um, it was quite a ways. I don't know how long it was, but we had to carry these bricks that had been, like, like seven miles. No, it was, like, probably, like, a quarter of a mile, maybe. I don't know. Um, was it and uphill both ways? It was. Yeah. It was It was just, like, rocky. Those roads, there's nothing straight about that place. Um no, but the and the, the night before it had rained so hard, so the cement bricks were so heavy from that rain, it soaked it all in, and we were I was just dying. But um, it, so they were building these house, the construction guys there. Um, but it was just amazing because everyone in that neighborhood were, were was watching us um, 
carry those bricks and everyone just joined in like everyone in that community all of the kids were just throwing slinging those bricks on their back and like running as we were like struggling and you know um yeah and it was just crazy to see um how different it is there i mean you you like i don't know about you guys but you're like driving down the road and someone's there with like you know a flat tire or like on the side of the road having car troubles and you're like pass them up and oh someone else will help them you know like but there, it's just like you're doing work and everyone wants to be a part of it. No matter how hard that work is, it was like, it was physically like painful. <laughs> and people were just helping, um, no questions asked. And that was just like the entire trip was like that. We were doing something and all the kids wanted to join, all of the people wanted to help, um, even, even if it wasn't going to benefit them. Um, and that, that spirit was just like, I, I wrote a paper for my class um, and if I could describe Haiti in one word, it'd be serve, because they're just constantly serving each other, serving their community, and not, um, it's not about them at all, ever. So that was really So good. about those houses, the way those houses get built, and the reason why, is that there is a church in Ohio, where Christy is from, that, huh? Iowa. Is it Iowa? Oh, she's from Iowa. It's all uh, the Midwest. Yeah, yeah. starts with an I. So, so you are from California. Well, you know. Californians do not know anything outside of yeah, right, California. That's true. There, there's more of America? Is there? I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah. Everything evolves around California. That's right. So anyway, so there's a church somewhere here in the States that, uh, <laughs> that has raised a bunch of money and uh, sent money to uh, UCI for these homes. But uh, something that the mom premiers really want to get across to these people is that we're not here just to give to you and not uh, so that you can have things. You have to earn this and you have to, um, you, you have to, yeah, you have to earn it. So the way you do it, the way you earn this is that we're going to pay for half of your house. You have to raise money to pay for the other half. And before our construction team comes in, you have to dig the foundation. You have to collect all the soil uh, and so that the cement could be mixed with this dirt, and you have to collect all the water. And then once you get all that, all those things covered, then get all your neighbors and say, on these days, you have to come and help us build our house. And so, it, it, I mean, it's just, it's incredible. I mean, because this area, that specific area that we were in before uh, voodoo was gone, there was uh, six to seven witch doctors just in this little area. And I would say it's probably not more than two mile radius, if that. Um, and they all were in competition with one another. The more, the more people, that, more clients that you had come to you to cast spells and to do uh, ceremonies, the more money you made. So therefore, uh, you don't want anybody living next to you that's doing the same thing as you did. So they all kept to each other. Now, they're all friends. Every Saturday morning at 5 a.m. in the morning before it's sunrise where we went to the service, uh, they have a, a church service, a worship service, every, every Saturday. And it's two rows of about four benches. And they say at times they get 200 people that cram into this place. Not everybody can sit. Everybody has to stand. And the way they wake people up, they get a bullhorn. And they just start screaming and yelling worship songs. <laughs> and you hear it just echoing through this valley. And this valley, I have to say, we walked through one afternoon uh, distributing food. Uh, it was beautiful. I mean, you look at these rolling hills, and it was incredible how gorgeous it was. Mm. And there is no more 
No more witchcraft there. There's no more voodoo. It yeah. is all, it's just Christ. That's so cool. <laughs> it is. It's amazing. That's so cool. I, I want to go back because, uh, and, and hit on the reason the mom premieres do what they do in partnership. And many of you know this, and there's a great book if you're ever interested in studying this a little bit more called When Helping Hurts. Uh, and what we found is our, our Western way of helping, especially impoverished third world nations, was all in aid. And aid does is just keeps people in the place where they're at and actually dehumanizes people because it says, you can't do it, I have to do it for for you. Uh, and what has come up through that is trade, not aid, uh, and where you begin to develop this. And that's why, like, Heifers International and some of these things that are doing the micro loans and why this has been such a powerful thing is it, it brings the humanity and the dignity back, saying, no, 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 we're going to partner with you. You got to come here, but we want to give you industry and, and help you along the way, but you got to be a part of this. And it really elevates and inspires and does just massive, uh, way more than just going and building a house for someone. And so that, that's why they, they do that. And yeah. it's, it's powerful. And it's been really, really effective. Uh, I, we just got time for really kind of one more question. It's more for you. And we've been on uh, these trips before. And actually, we've been on yeah. a trip to Haiti together. It's actually my third time to this place. So, uh, and each time there seems to be a theme. And I remember your very first time you went and you came back on fire. And the theme really was prayer <laughs> yeah. and the Holy Spirit. Uh, when we went, uh, I'm trying to remember the theme was something, I forget. I think I was weak. Yeah. <laughs> Weakness. Help. 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 Yeah. Uh, um, yeah, I think we sang Mighty to Save over and over, over that and trip over. because we desperately needed uh, help. Yeah. Um, I was on it, that's why. But, <laughs> Kinda. But uh, you, uh, what was the theme this year? Was there a theme that kind of emerged with your team? And Absolutely. For me, when I look at what we saw and what we experienced, and I look at my team, uh, we had an opportunity every night to uh, share our testimonies, um, and I hear their stories, and um, it, it was surrender. And um, just as we surrender our lives to Christ, we have an abundance of grace. And along with that grace, we have power. Um, one of the things we did the second day when we, there, when we were there, a uh, uh, practicing, just recently um, try, is trying to quit a uh, witch doctor, moved back to the area, and we had an opportunity to go to his house, lay hands on him, and pray. Um, and from that day on, that word surrender just kept going over and over and over in my heart. And each night when I heard these guys' stories, uh, that just word just kept flashing up into my mind is just surrender. Um, and, uh, you know, those Haitians, they, they live their life, they've surrendered to Christ. And uh, one of the verses that when we led their youth group on Sunday, uh, I read uh, Matthew uh, 5, 13 through 16, and it talks about the salt and the light. They are that salt and the light of the world that Christ has called us to be. Uh, they are that city on the hill that is just beaming bright. Um, and, uh, and I watched these, these, these group of people just grow, and it was super encouraging and super humbling, and um, uh, it, was, it was awesome, awesome, cool. awesome. Very cool. Um, I want to actually, I know it's, it might be a little different, but I want to talk to you guys for a second. Um, and you can listen in, okay? <laughs> we'll, we'll let that. Uh, and because we haven't got to 
talk or connect since you got back from your trip. Uh, and I just want to maybe have a little challenge for you. Because uh, there's something about going on these trips and they are transformative. And, and God does a lot in you. Uh, and then you come home, and it's amazing how much the hurry of home and everything back rushes in. And it seems like it was just a distant dream, doesn't it? It seems like it was like that was so long ago, and that was only a couple weeks ago. Uh, and so what happens is a lot of times God does a, some incredibly things, uh, things in our lives and through us, and, and we have some convictions about how we want to live differently. But then we come back and it just begins to fade. And here's my challenge to you. I would just invite you to do this, and I know you've written a little paper on it. That's helpful. I don't mean to bring that up too much, but uh, I think that I, I, I want to applaud you on it. I want you to just answer this question uh, just for yourself, and you probably already have. Uh, but I want you to answer this question. What is it that I want to take with me from Haiti? What is it that they gave me in that experience that I don't want to ever forget, I don't want to lose? What is it that I don't want to see that, you know, me fall back into? And, and I would take that and just put it on, a, I'm a three by five card guy, by the way, mm -hmm. and I just put it on a three by five card where you can just keep that maybe on the dash of your car, maybe on, you know, your window or um, mirror in your uh, bathroom, something where you'll see daily because it is so easy to get back into life and everything happens and you have good intentions but good intentions eventually fade, and we never move on that. So would you do that? Would you just take some time and go, okay, what is it that I don't want to forget? What is it that that one takeaway? And, and, and just begin to put that in front of you so you don't look back and go, man, that was a great experience, but nothing changed, all right? And, and then I want to give a little challenge um, to you guys. On the front of your bulletin, uh, it says a, a kind of three phrases that we say a lot, or at least we have a lot around here. Uh, the first one simply says, join the movement. Uh, we believe what we're doing here at Awakening isn't just a stagnant thing. It is a movement. It is the movement of God that when you step into a relationship with Jesus, you didn't step into something stagnant, but you stepped into a movement where God is working and active and he's moving in your life, in my life, and through us. And, and that's part of that join the movement of God. The next thing is experience community. That, that you just think about this, that, that you have a place and you belong, and, and that is deeply built into the hardwire of our DNA of who we are as, as humanity, but you have a place that you, you're part of a movement of what God's doing, it, but you don't have to do it alone, and, and he's working in you, but it's designed in community, and you guys experience like community firsthand. I, I can just tell you, having gone away, and I know you guys got together on Thursday, and there's something about like reunion like if you haven't seen each other it's like oh my goodness you all of a sudden you guys are just like you have something that you will carry with you for the rest of your life and deeply connected uh there and and the last phrase on there and this is what i want to leave with you is live on mission this is this is what we want to be as a community as a church when we think of mission we think of what they did we we think of it as i'm going to someday in some way 
go there. And that, that's part of it for sure. Uh, but we don't talk about mission here in, in such a way that we talk about just going to Haiti and showing cool muscles like Josh has right there. That's great. <laughs> See, <laughs> we talk about mission is you not only are invited to experience a personal relationship with the God of the universe, start in the movement, but you have a place to belong, a community, that, but then you have a purpose. You have a God-given purpose on this planet, and he has placed you where you're at to live out your purpose. Living on mission doesn't just happen out there. It happens in the workplace, and God has placed you there. It happens in your neighborhood. Wherever you live, God has placed you there. It happens all around you, and whether it's at your coffee shop or your bar or wherever you go, God has placed you there. See, I know that for some, you want to go to Haiti, and I'm so stoked. We're going to take a trip in October, and if you want to come, man, I come with us. But do not miss and don't think that mission is what we do there. That is part of it. But we are called, those of us who are followers of Jesus, to live on mission. That it's a way of life. It's a way of interacting. It's a way of being with others and extending his grace and his love and his kindness to everyone around us. And so the challenge I want to give to you this week and just ask this question what does it look like for me to live on mission this week? What does it look like for me to live on mission this week? I mean, just, and it doesn't have to be something big. It might be a conversation with a coworker. It might be doing a barbecue in the front yard of your house. It might be going across the way to a neighbor. It might be just, you know, having an extra conversation with a barista. But would you answer that? Would you answer it this week? Would you not pass by? Would you, would, would you not allow a moment where you're inspired by some people that stepped out and took a step of faith? But would you answer that? What does it look like for me to live on mission this week? Thank you, guys. So proud of you. So excited for you. Can we thank them? And... And would you stand and we'll pray and we're going to just kind of close singing that song that you guys talked about. You can go ahead and go off. You don't have to. We're not going to make you be our choir. Um, But that set a fire song. God, I, I, I pray for us as a community. I pray that we would be a community that has deeply been shaped by your love and your grace at the core of our being. And Father, I ask that as a result of your great love and as a result of what you've done in us, God, we couldn't contain it and we would share your love and your grace and your hope and your life that we would step into our purpose, our calling on this planet. In Jesus' name, amen.